Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikbat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. We are located at the corner of Boulevard and Grove, across from the Art Museum. For more information, you can visit our website at tikvatisrael.com. There, you can support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and contact us with any questions or comments. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Avinu, uh, thank you for uh, your faithfulness, and pray that your Word would go forth to encourage your people this morning. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. I'd like to begin with a story from Pisca Rabati, which are rabbinic writings from around the year 845 CE. These are midrashim, uh, commentaries on the Torah, and this is from Pisca 14, which is all about the mystery and paradox of the para aduma. Try that. And what does that mean? The red heifer. Yes, heifer. For those of you who maybe haven't visited a farm recently, is a word for a female cow. So this could be translated red cow as well. Seeing how as today is Shabbat Parah, the Shabbat of the cow, referring to the special red heifer, I thought this story would be appropriate to open with. But, you know, in order to get the sense of this story, to really, really experience it fully, I thought uh, that we could get some volunteers to act it out. What do you say? What do you think? All right, so is there any... I need three volunteers. All right, Eric and Jacob and... I'm not seeing Linus, so Ian. All right, come on down. All right, so you could just come right here. Um, So um, we're going to have two farmers... And one of you has to be the heifer. So you could decide who's... <laughs> All right, we got a heifer right there. And uh, you need some accoutrements. So this is to, to, beat, to beat the cow. Oh, give so me that. So I'm going to give that... No, no, you're the heifer. No, you he, he, he's going to be the Oh, heifer. you're the heifer. Oh, okay. I thought he was doing a good mooing there. All right, you decide. And then this is the, the yoke. For the, uh, for the heifer, you have to put that on. That is, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, the yoke is used to pull so that the heifer can, uh, can plow. All right? And uh, so one of you is a, is a Jewish farmer, and the other is a non-Jewish farmer. I know you're both Jews, so, so which, which is which? Okay, you're the Jewish farmer. Okay. <clears throat> In Israel, there was a certain man who owned a plowing heifer. But his wealth slipped out of his hand, and he had to sell her to a (laughs) non-Jew. As soon as the non-Jew took possession of her, he plowed with her during the six days of the week. Uh, They're not getting the sense of this. You got (laughs) to... On the Sabbath, he brought her out again to plow for him, but she lay down under the yoke. She lay down. Very good. Though he kept beating the heifer, take the stick, there you go, uh, she would not budge from her place. Seeing this, he went to the Jew who had sold him the heifer and said, come, take your heifer. (laughs) Something's wrong with her. What's wrong with her? For though I beat her again and again, 
She won't budge from her place. <laughs> the Jew understood that what the non-Jew was talking about had something to do with the Sabbath. The heifer having become accustomed to resting on the Sabbath. Do you like to rest on Shabbat, Ian? Yes, okay. So he said to the non-Jew, come along, I will get her up. When he came to the heifer, he spoke right to her, right in her ear. Heifer, heifer. heifer, heifer. <laughs> you know... <laughs> You know, you know that when you were in my hands, when you, were in my hands you plowed six days in the week, six days week, and you were allowed to rest on the Sabbath. To rest on the Sabbath. But my sins having brought it about, brought it about. now you're in the hands of this non-Jew. I beg you, stand up and plow. Stand up and plow. You already stood up, so you yeah. did half of it. Okay. And at once, she plow. stood up and plowed. It's a miracle. Let's hear a moo. Ooh. Not from you, from the oh, cow. Cow. Moo, cow. Moo. <laughs> All right. Then the non-Jew said to him, I beseech you, take back your heifer. What, will I have to come just as I have and wait upon you that you should appear and make her stand up? No matter what, I won't let you go until you tell me one thing. What was it that you said in her ear that made her stand up and plow? Because I wore myself out and struck her, but I could not get her to stand up. The Jew then proceeded to calm him down and said, I used neither sorcery nor witchcraft, but I put it to her thus and thus in her ear, and she stood up and plowed. Thereupon the non-Jew was awestruck. <laughs> and he said, If a heifer which has no speech and no understanding <laughs> could understand her creator... Shall not I, whose maker made it me in his own image and put understanding into me, shall not I go and acknowledge my creator? At once he went and became a convert and studied and, and acquired the Torah. You got to read the, pretend to read the Torah. There you go. And they used to call him Yochanan ben Torta, which means son of the cow. And to this day, our masters quote Torah rulings in his name. And if you are astonished by, that by means of a heifer, a man should be brought near to the presence of God, reflect that by the means of the heifer, the purification of all Israel is achieved. This conclusion follows from the scripture lesson for the day. This is the statute of the Torah that they bring you a red heifer, unquote. Let's have a big hand for our actors. Let's move it out. Move it out, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> as I mentioned, today is Shabbat Parah, the Shabbat of what? Of the cow, yes. Just after Purim and looking forward toward Passover. The red heifer portion, the special reading for today, has puzzled many. It is a riddle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a conundrum. Supposedly, even the great and wise Solomon did not understand the red heifer. And even though we are not wiser than Solomon, we can still, I think, examine the text, for in it are some wonderful nuggets of revelation. Amen? And so indeed, in the text of the red heifer, we find a way to be cleansed and draw near to the presence of God, as the parable said. So... The red heifer text is found in Numbers 19, starting in verse 1. And here are the first few verses. Let's take a look. 
Adonai spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the statute of the Torah, which Adonai commanded, saying, Speak to B'nai Yisrael, that they bring you a flawless red heifer, on which there is no blemish, and on which there has never been a yoke. Give her to Eliezer the Kohen. He will take her outside the camp and slaughter her in his presence. Then Eliezer the Kohen is to take some of the blood on his finger and sprinkle it seven times toward the front of the tent of meeting. While watching, he is to burn the heifer, her hide, flesh, blood, and refuse. The Kohen is to take some cedar wood, hyssop, and scarlet wool and cast them in the midst of the burning heifer. Afterward, the Kohen is to wash his clothes and bathe his flesh with the water, and afterward he may come back into the camp. Still, the Kohen will be unclean until evening. Also, the one burning it is to wash his clothes and bathe his flesh with the water, and he will be unclean until evening. A clean man is to gather up the ashes of the heifer and put them in a clean place outside the camp. They are to be for the community of B'nai Yisrael to use as water of purification from sin. The one who gathers the heifer's ashes is also to wash his clothes as well as be unclean until evening. It will be a permanent statute for B'nai Yisrael and for the outsider living among them. Interesting, right? Curious. Some curiosities that scholars have noted here, and uh, I've also written these down to be projected so you can follow along. Number one, as with all sacrifices, the cow has to be what? Perfect or blameless. But this is actually the only sacrifice where the color of the animal is specified. And what color is that? Red. The sacrifice is done, quote-unquote, outside the camp meaning not on the altar in the tabernacle or temple. It's actually done outside of the tent. Most sacrifices, almost all of them, were done on the altar within the camp. So this is unusual. Number three, in preparing a sacrifice for Israel to be clean and atoned for, the priest, ironically, is made unclean, right? So the, the priest needs to be clean, and becomes unclean in the process in order to make someone who is unclean, clean, right? So it's kind of ironic. It's a little flip there. Number four, the sacrifice is to give Israel purity after contact with uh, death, with someone who has died. And number five, the ashes of a dead heifer in water make someone who has contact with death clean. So it's like a dead heifer that's been burned, Right? And they put the ashes in the water, and contact with that makes you clean. So it's very, it's very strange, right? Over time, this, uh, associ- this, this passage got to be associated with preparation for Passover, which is what we're oriented toward now. This is because of the themes in it, sacrifice and atonement and moving from death and uncleanness to redemption and purity and life. And so this passage is read on the Shabbat after Purim, looking toward the festival of Passover. Soforno, a 15th century Jewish Italian commentator, said that there was a moral teaching in this passage and connected it with another passage in Isaiah in which the same word is used. This is uh, Isaiah 1 verse 18. Come now and let us reason together, says Adonai. Though your sins be like scarlet, 
they will be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will become like wool. And which word do you think is the link there? The word for red, right, the color. In other words, the reason that the color red is specified in the red heifer, uh, at least according to this commentator, has to do with atonement from sin, which is symbolized by the color red. Sin is red in this analogy. There's something else, something else that's red in the scriptures, which links sin and atonement together. And here we can observe the special new covenant reading from Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 14. But when Messiah appeared as Kohen Gadol, the high priest of the good things that have now come, passing through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, he entered into the holies once for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, which of course is red having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who have been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, then kal how much more will the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Isn't there, there's a lot in that small, in those few verses, there's a lot there, isn't there? And this brings us to the ways that Yeshua fulfills the unique and curious things about the red heifer passage. Number one, we see, as with all sacrifices, Yeshua was without blemish, right? He was perfect and blameless. And the blood that he shed was red, like the red cow. Yeshua died for our sins, quote-unquote, outside the camp, just like the red cow. A later passage in Hebrews, which is the same book that I just read, this is from chapter 13, says this, For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holies by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, to make people holy through his own blood, Yeshua also suffered outside the gate. So let us go to him outside the camp bearing his disgrace. So Yeshua, too, was outside the camp. Number three, like the priest in the red heifer passage, Yeshua became unclean to make us clean. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says it really well. This is the, um, the ESV really puts it well. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see the connection there? It's, it's an ironic thing, right? It's, it's if, as if he had sinned, even though he was without sin, so that we could be free from sin, just like the priest is made unclean, even though his uncleanness makes others clean. The sacrifice is to give Israel purity after contact with death. Yeshua, of course, touched the dead, which would have made him unclean, but instead his life force went from himself to them. Yeshua's direction, remember, is from death to what? To life. That is resurrection life. And all who trust in him are going the same direction. And number five, 
The ashes of a dead heifer in water make someone who has had contact with death clean. Likewise, we identify with Yeshua in his death that we might be raised with him. This is from Romans 6, verses 8 through 11. Now, if we have died with Messiah, we believe that we shall also live with him. We know that Messiah, having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So also continually count yourselves both dead to sin and alive to God in Messiah Yeshua. Remember the the curious cow from the beginning of the sermon? The cow that kept Shabbat? Do you remember that? Well, with whom do you identify in that story? Do you feel maybe like the Jewish farmer who has to give up his most important possessions and was brought low? Remember, even whispering in a cow's ear. Then remember Yeshua, who also was brought low, and even unto death on the stake, and then raised up to the right hand of the Father. Do you feel like the non-Jewish farmer, maybe, who was roped into buying this Sabbath-keeping cow and does not understand the ways of Torah or the God of Israel? Then remember Yeshua, who was outside the camp. He was marginal, misunderstood, rejected man who found acceptance and belonging in the perfect heavenly tent with his Father in heaven. Or maybe you feel like the heifer, trying to keep Shabbat and the commandments of God, but just taking a beating along the way. Remember Yeshua, who suffered though he did nothing wrong and entered into God's glory through what he suffered. Even a mysterious red cow in Scripture can draw us near to God and make us clean and bring us from death to life. And if that's true, then kal how much more does the sacrifice of Yeshua make us clean, forgiven, and right with God once again? So let us cling to Yeshua, the perfect sacrifice, his sinless blood that he shed for us, though it be as red as sin itself, makes us clean and cleanses our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Amen.